This is Phil Diaz. I'm the pastor at Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's my prayer that God would use this podcast to speak to your life right where you're at. I pray it also builds your faith and helps give you perspective on how God can work, move, and transform your life. Enjoy the message. idea how much it was going to mean um, with family loss and um, hearing last night about the pastor's family and Ashley and the loss that they had experienced and my own family we had experienced loss this summer with the loss of my father-in-law and all of us we go through those times and, and it's so important to um, have the truth to know that the Lord is our salvation Amen. in all these moments and uh, the aching is still there and there are times when we feel so broken, um, but the Lord enters into our brokenness. It's so, it's so powerful to know that Jesus is the one uh, who doesn't stay aloof and far away from our brokenness, but the image of the Savior that would come and be on the cross is the image of the God who cares enough not to stay away from our pain and our grief, but the God who comes near and dwells in those griefs and in those losses with us. And he says, I'm here. Yes. And I know and I'm going through it with you. Yes. So we bless the Lord this morning. Yes. So this morning, I, I want to come with you with, it's not going to be, I don't think, an extremely long message today, but I hope it will be one that counts and one that will hopefully mean something to our hearts this day. The Lord is our salvation. I want to talk to you about locks and doors and gates this morning, okay? Um, we're going to have a few scripture passages today, but I want to tell you a story first that I heard recently. Maybe you heard this story too, and it made the rounds on the internet uh, a while back. It's a true story. There was a man who had been working a lot of hours, and he was not a dumb man at all. He was just a tired man. Uh, he, he went after his third 16-hour shift and was just very tired. He came out to his car. And if you're like many of us anymore these days, he had a remote to open his car with instead of the, the key. It was a keyless entry. And the battery in his remote was dead. And he couldn't get into his car. And he tried and he tried. And he tried to call a family member that had another key and he couldn't get a hold of anybody. And he just had no luck. And he was just worn out and tired. So he called a locksmith. Somebody to come out and try to help him, and the locksmith finally showed up and came with one of those what almost looks like a blood pressure cuff and sticks it in between the door and starts, you know, kind of inflating it. Like, if you know, if you've ever seen that, if you've ever had the unfortunate experience of having that happen to your car, the locksmith starts making small talk and saying, so you locked your keys in your car, huh? And the gentleman says, oh, no, I, I didn't lock them in the car. Uh, I, I have them right here with me. And the locksmith stopped and he said, wait, you, you have your keys with you? He said, yeah, I just the battery's dead. He said, do you mind if I see those a second? And he grabbed them from him and pulled open the inside, stuck them in the door and opened the door for him. Uh, and the man had completely forgotten that there was a way that he could just open the actual physical key that was on the remote and put it in and manually open the door himself and wouldn't have had to have called anybody and wouldn't have needed a locksmith and he had it right there in his possession the whole time he could have gotten in the door 
And the locksmith was laughing so hard he could barely breathe. And, uh, and they didn't charge him anything. And he said, no charge at all. Just know that I'm going to tell this story everywhere I go to all my locksmith friends. Um, that you call a locksmith when you had the key in your hand the whole time. I, I wanted to tell that story because it's important for us to remember today that with Jesus, there is not only just an unlocked door, there's no lock on the door. Like the lock doesn't even exist when it comes to Jesus. It's just not even there. Um, there is no wall separating us, scripturally speaking. And, and we're going to get into that a little bit this morning. So let's listen to scripture and what scripture has to say. Romans 8.34 says this, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then John chapter 10, 9. Remember, we're talking about gates and doors and locks and keys. And Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. So if I ask that question, what can separate us from the love of God in Christ? Where's the lock? Where's the closed gate that separates us? Scripturally speaking, and according to Christ, there's not one. There's not a gate separating us. There's not a lock on the door. There's just not there. It doesn't exist. But it seems like the first thing we always hear when we come to church Oftentimes, is you're separated from God and you can't get close to Him until you do this and that and the other. Right? Theologically speaking, that's not true. God has done the work first. God did the work of salvation way back long ago. He did something that no other could do. We've been singing songs about it this morning. We've been telling stories of His grace. And, and yet I realize it can sound, if we're not careful, that sounds an awful lot like universalism, doesn't it? If we're not careful, we want to, we want to go like, well, that just means everybody is, 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 is in, right? Because Jesus did that. I, I want to try to explain what I mean by that and how this is different. Because universalism is an insult to the work of Jesus, Okay. So I want to try to explain this, but still explain how the gate is not closed and there's no lock on the door. And that Jesus has not put up a separating wall between us. Because it's so important. So as I pray to preparing this message, I, I pray sometimes, and I, I know I'm sure your pastor does, like many pastors, I hope that all pastors do, when we pray, Lord, could you give me some sort of image that would help us to understand this and to help us understand this, this subtle difference, maybe, of what this means and what this is doing. So I started praying and thinking about it, and this image came to my mind, and I, I think it's a pretty good image. 
I started thinking about bricks. We've got a lot of bricks in our backyard, and so these bricks came to my mind. And I thought about what if every brick represented an excuse that we have, or maybe a sin in our life, or something that, that we can just place before. And Jesus says, I am the gate. Come and enter through me. I am the way to salvation. Come, find life. Come, take my yoke upon you. And then we take our breaks of excuses and we say, well, but Jesus, I've done this and I've sinned and I've hurt that person and we start putting these blocks up. We start building these walls and we say, but Jesus, I've sinned here and I've done that and I'm not worthy and I can't do this. And before long, all of our excuses, they build up this wall in front of Jesus. And then Jesus says, yeah, but... Nothing can separate you. <laughs> yeah, but Jesus, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done this. And Jesus says, yes, but nothing can separate you. <laughs> you know? These bricks aren't anything that I can't get through. The question is, do you want to come this way? Amen. Do you want to come and be a part of this? And so I think we continually keep laying these bricks down. For all the reasons that we don't want part of, we don't want a part of salvation, that we don't want new life, and we don't want to do what it takes to just accept the invitation and just say, "Okay, Jesus," because somehow I think maybe in our minds we think maybe if I can just get good enough, eventually I'll be there, and then I'll be worthy enough to come through, and maybe then someday I'll be able to accept it because then some way I'll be able to earn it. I don't know. Again, that's just another excuse that we keep building up. And Jesus just says, look, I've already done it. I've heard every excuse. I know every lie you can tell. I know it all. I'm telling you, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Shall I read the scripture that Paul wrote again? <laughs> yeah. Nothing. When I say nothing, I mean nothing. There goes the bricks. But Jesus, and we keep picking them up again. <laughs> Putting in the way. And I feel like that's what we do so often. And I get the feeling that when I read scripture, that, I, that Jesus really doesn't like our, our locks and our doors and our gates and our things that we keep trying to put in front of him. And it seems like Jesus, he doesn't seem to discern in scripture. He goes to the sinners and he goes to the priests and he goes to all the unclean people and the clean people and all the crowd he's supposed to be with and all the people you're not supposed to be with. And he just goes to everybody and he keeps saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And that's what gets him into trouble because he doesn't just hang out with the right people. He just calls everybody. And all the wrong people keep coming. At least that's what some people think. In Scripture, though, hell seems to be the native community that's on lockdown. <laughs> you know? Um, it closes its gates to outsiders. It hides behind walls, while the kingdom of heaven is the community that comes to break down hell's doors and set the captives free. In, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, he says, "You are, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I think we often hear those words and we think like like hell is coming after us or something. And according to that verse, no, hell is the gated community that's quivering and hiding, scared to death behind a locked gate. And 
is trembling. They're not rushing heaven's gate trying to take over. And in fact, the kingdom of God says, hell, we're coming for you. Your gate won't be able to stand. And when you read scripture, I love this. I love this passage. In Revelation 21, verses 23 through 25, this is one of my favorite scriptures in all, in all of scripture. I don't know if we're allowed to have favorites, but this is a favorite. Um, the scripture is all important, I think. Yes. It says this almost at the very end, next to the last chapter in the whole Bible. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it, and on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. So we have this image of hell's gates won't be able to prevail, and the kingdom of God is so unafraid, its gates are never going to close. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? My friend uh, who, who teaches at Duke University, his name is William Willimon, he says this about what hell is. He says, hell is at last to be able to say to God triumphantly, I'll be damned before I let you love me. What a tragic thing. And that is what hell is, separation from God. And it's not God's choice, it's not Jesus' choice. It's not what the Holy Spirit is drawing us to. It's something that we do by those bricks we keep laying down and we keep saying, eh, I'm not ready. I don't want to come to you, Jesus. So we know this today. There's no lock on the door. Not only is the door not locked, the lock doesn't exist. We know from Scripture that not only is the gate unlocked, it's wide open. But nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ, not life, nor death, not angels, nor demons, nor anything in all creation we just read this morning. And his invitation is there. His invitation is simply come and receive. Come accept this gracious invitation. Yeah. Every brick, every excuse that we have, Jesus has cleared those all away. And everyone we keep laying down, he just keeps clearing them away. And he keeps saying, they're not a problem. I'll keep moving them. I just want you to come. I'll keep moving them. I just want you to come. We'll work on cleaning you up later. You just come. I have done the work. You can't do it. I have done it. You just come. Be a part of this. We make it so difficult sometimes, but I really think that's the gospel in a nutshell. I really do think that's what Jesus is calling to us. He's saying, and I think it's the work of the people of God to be people who are locksmiths, so to speak. <laughs> to go out and be people who are setting people free, who are helping people overcome those bricks. Say, look, I know you feel shame. I know you feel not good enough. I know you feel not loved enough, but I've got to tell you, it's not how good you are, it's how loved you are. Yes. Yes. It's how deeply and truly loved you are. You have a father in heaven who loves you so deeply that he sent his only son. And he spread out his arms and he died for you. And he came back not with vengeance, but he came back and he said, follow me. And he kept keeps saying, follow me. And now his Holy Spirit is broken out into the entire world. And he wants to make you a disciple too. And he just wants you to follow him. 
That's the gospel, I think, in a nutshell. This morning, we're going to close our time together by receiving communion today. This is just one of many ways that we can meet God together. It's one of many ways. I've heard a lot of different stories about ways that people have met God. I've got people in my life that have told me stories of meeting God in a bar. Uh, I've got people in my life, I just I have a podcast that I hosted just this past week. I had a person tell me that they were they found Jesus when they were in a house full of drug addicts and they were laying around as high as they could be and they were into their road. And he said, I wasn't at an altar call and I wasn't in a church. I was just at the end of myself. And I finally said, Jesus, I need help. And it was in that place. That was the moment. That was the time. So it doesn't have to be in this place. But this is one place where we believe Jesus can meet us today. And we're going to receive communion together this morning as a way of just saying once again, yes, Lord, we accept your invitation. And it doesn't matter if you've been walking with the Lord for 40 years and you've accepted it, and maybe you've accepted it again and again, or if this is the first time today, John Wesley believed so much in the Lord's table that he believed not only that it was a table for believers to come and receive, only do believe in the Church of the Nazarene that this is a table for believers and people who follow Jesus, but John Wesley also believed that if you were a seeker, and that if you wanted to know Jesus and you wanted to come and find the Lord, that the table was a place that you could do that. And through the elements that he believed so much in the presence of Jesus, in these elements, that you could receive Jesus as you receive these elements. And so today, as we receive these elements today, I want you to know that this can be a time for you this morning, that as we take and eat and receive from the cup, that today this can be for you a moment where you say, Jesus, I accept your generous invitation today. I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I'm unworthy. I realize that there's nothing I can do to add to the salvation that you've done for me. I'm sorry for my sin in my life. I'm so grateful for you. I realize it's not how worthy I am. It's how loved that I am. And I'm so grateful today. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does that trade interest you today? To come and give Jesus your burden and let him give you his yoke that is easy and light? This doesn't have to be for just first-time believers today either. This can be for those of us that are just broken down. We were talking last night. Boy, I just wish life would slow down. I'm so tired and weary. It feels broken sometimes. You may need to hear that again today. Let those words wash over you this morning. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And here's one of the easiest responses in the world you can do. Think of that burden you have that is weighing you down right now. 
mind's eye. Maybe just imagine it being held in your hands. And just say, Lord, you can have it. Lord, you can have it. And I will receive from you whatever you would like to get. Doesn't seem like a very fair trade, does it? I give you my burden and you give me this yoke that is light. What a good God. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to move over to the piano in just a moment. And we're going to receive these elements together this morning. And I believe all of you are going to, if you haven't received them, have, have they already been passed out to each person? We have these uh, nifty little communion cups. That, uh, they're not my favorite kind in the world. They're probably not anybody's favorite, but they work, right? You know, they, we, we use them all over the place, and they're really good for when you have a lot of people together to serve. And we get to do uh, the communion elements together this morning. So I'm going to do the words of consecration together this morning. And then I'm going to move over to the piano. I'm going to sing a, a song about, about accepting God's invitation. And at the end, your pastor is going to come and lead us together, just receiving the bread, receiving the cup. And we're going to do it for all who are willing today. Whether this is your first time or whether you have done it many times before, this table is for you, for all believers and for those who are seeking today. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should be him. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you would like to connect with me or Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, you can find us on Facebook at Greencastle Nazarene and also on our website, www.greencastlenazarene.com. May you have a blessed and wonderful day in the Lord.